0: Good to just want to kind of reintroduce uh, Ray to you. Uh, Ray Cortiz is a pastor up in um, the Crystal River area. Lakanto is where the church is, Seven Rivers, uh, which is uh, thirty-two years old. So we're grateful, uh, Ray, for you being here. Uh, thanks for for uh, for coming. Uh, a reminder that tomorrow evening we'll have worship in the morning as we uh, always do, and then uh, tomorrow evening at five we'll have corporate prayer. Uh, downtown uh, in the place of community groups. So community groups that are meet, meeting on first and third. Uh, it's a third Sunday tomorrow. And so we're asking everybody to plan on heading down that way. Um, this morning, we'll have uh, a couple of videos uh, for you, uh, similar to last night, but today it'll be our uh, a couple of our global uh, partners. So we'll hear from Tony and Amber Ellswick. And then we'll hear from uh, Tiffany Taves and her family who are with Africa Inland Mission in Uganda. So let me pray, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll uh, have Ray come up. Uh, Father, thank you for this weather this morning and just how refreshing it is. Um, a reminder that uh, we begin each day uh, having gone to sleep and awoken because you have sustained us, as the psalmist says. Uh, and so we give thanks to you. This is the day you've made. Help us to rejoice uh, and be glad in it, grateful for for every part of it from start to finish. Uh, and so I, I, I give our time to you and pray that you would bless us, that you would challenge us, that you would convict us of sin, uh, that you would encourage us, call us uh, from this place to, even as we talked about last night, take a treasure, the treasure of the Lord Jesus Christ, um, and and go out into the world that is uh, on a hunt, and so often filling the God-shaped hole in their heart with so many other things. Uh, And so continue to embolden us and and encourage us with uh, our time together this weekend, and may you be glorified and honored as a result, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.
1: I am on. All right, good. Um, we don't have technology yet in Crystal River, so you no know, <laughs> experience for me. Um, how idyllic. Uh, the back doors of the church are open. I can't quite see the water. Maybe if I preach from over uh, there, this is just beautiful, beautiful morning, huh? And yet a uh, sobering morning, isn't it, um, as we uh, continue to watch the um, news and see just unspeakable um, horror being played out in our world. Um, you know, I, Amer- Americans sometimes um, speak of the French with, uh, with, with uh, mockery or a little regard. I've heard Americans talk about how we've uh, bailed out the French, you know, in, in two world wars and yada, yada, yada. Um, uh, that's a pretty short-sighted historical view. There wouldn't be an America if it weren't for the French. If it weren't for Lafayette um, sailing into Virginia uh, at just the right moment, uh, then um, we probably wouldn't have prevailed over uh, over the British um, and uh, football wouldn't involve <laughs> something you do with you know you wouldn't you wouldn't catch the ball um, in in, uh, in nineteen seventeen. Uh, uh, almost just shy of hundred years ago, American, what they call them doughboys, uh, got off the boat in um, in France to enter into World War One, and and do you remember what they said? Lafayette, we are here. They they understood then that they were there, that they owed a debt to the French. Um, we are uh, we are we are back. We are in your debt. So it's a it's a, let's, let's pray together. Father, we, um, we think of the horror uh, visited on people yesterday in Paris and in many ways uh, the horror visited on the whole world as uh, our modern um, technology allows us uh, almost far too much intimacy into these um, atrocities. Uh, Lord, we pray for, um, I, I want to pray particularly for the church, for the missionaries, for the pastors Um, for those who belong to you in in Paris and its suburbs, and I pray that there's great opportunity for the gospel there, Um, and that um, though there is an evil one, and and he intends um, to destroy um, what you have created, um, that you love to take what uh, evil he uh, visits and turn it for good, and may this um, be true here as well. May... um, May the church become a, um, uh, a beacon of light in a very dark uh, day, and, uh, and uh, may Europe one day again um, be filled with, uh, have churches that are filled with worshipers of King Jesus. Um, when we pray this in his name, amen. I'm at um, Luke chapter 19. Why don't you stand as I read the word of God just for a little... Uh, I'll let you guys... I don't want those bagels to settle in. To, uh, gospel in the world. Talking about the mission um, together. The Bible says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. There it is. Pretty straightforward, isn't it? There's the mission. Jesus came on mission, didn't he? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. So, you know, if you take that, that's the mission of Jesus... And then you kind of move into just one day in the life of Jesus. What did that look like then, in one day in the life of Jesus? And we pick it up at the, the first verse of, uh, of Luke 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Then behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. By the way, I mentioned this in a sermon a couple weeks ago, only I failed to say Zacchaeus. I said, Lazarus, Lazarus was in, the, uh, in a tree. Uh, and this is how you correct your pastor. Somebody came out after the service, and they were very kind, and they said, uh, you, you said in Jericho, Lazarus was in the tree. Um, were there two people in the tree? <laughs> that was a very, very gentle way of correcting. Um, and it, actually, that was on October 31st, a Saturday night, and uh, it was Halloween when I said that, so I was able to quickly say, well, yeah, Lazarus was dead, and in the ancient days, they used to put dead people in trees.
0: Um, and, it's,
1: and it's Halloween, and I was kind of just on theme. Um, so, no, it was Zacchaeus in the tree. Now when Jesus came to that place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when the crowd saw it, they grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This then is the reading of God's holy, uh, infallible, and inspired word. You may be seated. Please. The word of God. We have the word of God. What a way to start the day. The word of God. All right. Think about your life with me for just a minute. Are you on mission? Are you on mission? George Patton, General George Patton was on mission. Imagine moving the entire Third Army and all the logistical support, everything it needed, 100 miles um, in 24 or in 48 hours, in two days, um, to secure the bridges over the Rhine uh, before uh, the German army could uh, retreat uh, behind them and destroy them. It was a, perhaps the most amazing feat in modern uh, military uh, logistics and uh, maneuvering and, uh, and aggressiveness. George Patton uh, was on mission. This summer, and I, uh, my wife and I went uh, on a tour through uh, Mississippi and down into Louisiana, and when we were in Jackson, Mississippi. We went to the home of Medgar Evers. Medgar Evers was on mission on um, June the 12th of 1963, uh, Medgar Evers had come from a late-night uh, meeting where he was pressing for uh, desegregation of Jackson, Mississippi schools. You can imagine how popular that message was. And um, Byron De La Beckwith, a smarmy little um, racist, camped across the street, and uh, with his rifle he shot Medgar Evers through the back. We were in his house this summer, the bullet hole still in the window, went through Medgar Evers, through the window, through the wall off the refrigerator, off the back of the sink, and into the sink, and Medgar Evers lied, uh, lay bleeding in his carport. The bloodstains are still there. Um, Medgar Evers assassinated uh, on mission. Um, You know, um, um, Rachel Saint, we have a little girl in our church named Rachel Saint. Um, Rachel Saint's... um, great-grandfather was nate saint nate saint the missionary pilot that was uh, um, killed by the wadani indians uh in the amazon just about two years ago i got to go with two of my sons to live with a wadani uh in the amazon um for a couple days it was kind of a a lifetime experience sort of christian holy ground uh isn't it and um and, and while I was there, I learned about Rachel Saint. Um, you know, most people know the story of Elizabeth Elliot, uh, her husband Jim Elliot, dying, and then uh, she went back with her, her uh, daughter uh, to live with the Wadani, but she just stayed there about a year or so. Uh, Rachel Saint, who was uh, Nate Saint's sister, went to live with the Wadani for the rest of her life, for 35 years. For the first four or five years she was there, before anybody was converted, she thought every day they would kill her. Every day. She translated the Bible, uh, the New Testament, into well, first she had to create, you know, write down the Wadani language. that had never been recorded. Then she translated the New Testament into the Wadani language. 35 years she stayed there. She died there um, in the Amazon with those people. She was a woman, an extraordinary woman uh, on mission. So are you. If I had you take out a piece of paper and said in one line, you got one line to write the mission statement of your life, could you do it? Have you defined it? How do you know if you're on mission? If you don't know what your mission is. If you couldn't write it down in one sentence, you don't know what it is. Um, are you on mission? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. There's the mission for Jesus. He knew he was on mission. There's all sorts of trivial missions, aren't there? Have you seen these Star Wars conventions? Comic Con is that what they're called? They have them. I mean, that's like thirty thousand people show up in, in in all kinds of outfits, and uh, um, so there there are people. Uh, or, or or try this one on fantasy football. I mean, fantasy football is nuts, um, and uh, and the amount of time and energy invested in that which is um, trivial. There are destructive missions. That's what we saw played out on TV last night and this morning, right? Those eight people in Paris yesterday were on mission, weren't they? I mean, they were willing to give their life. They did give their lives. Um, they were on mission, a, 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 a devilish, um, demonic mission, but they were on mission. Hugh Hefner was on mission. He wasn't just a, uh, a Narcissistic, uh, self indulgent um, uh, capitalist, he was on mission to change the sexual and social mores of, of a people and a culture. Um, I think he made an impact with his life, didn't he? Planned Parenthood is on mission. They're not to be easily um, um, uh, dissuaded, they have a mission. Uh, they are on mission. So the question is uh, are we? Um, uh, are we on mission? Most North Americans, including professing... Everybody's on mission, by the way. Again, you may not have identified what your mission is, but everybody has one. And Most North Americans, even people who profess Christianity, are on mission. What is the North American mission? It's to live a life of personal peace and affluence. That is the North American mission. Um, and North Americans go to church still. They go to church to get God to help them accomplish their mission, the mission of personal peace and affluence. Because after all, what's God there for but to, uh, uh, to assist us in accomplishing our mission? That's why I mentioned last night, we don't pray missional prayers in the church. Uh, or, or in a sense, we do. We pray prayers according to our mission. So we ask God to take away things in our life that are attacking our, our personal well-being and our sense of uh, affluence. So we ask God to help us in our job and in our career and to take away the ill health and to take away problems in our children's lives and, and such because that's, what, that's the mission that we're on. And it's God's responsibility to, um, uh, to help us accomplish our mission. Um, there's more passion in our culture given to the well-being of our dogs um, by people who go to church than there is... Um, Uh, to the mission that we've been assigned. Um, Churches and Christians and marriages are dying a slow death from the lack of meaningful mission. Um, I tell couples in premarital counseling, I I even tell them in the wedding ceremony, that their marriage is um, destined for um, a a dull boredom. Um, If they don't conjure up a mission that is more um, compelling than their own personal happiness. If the purpose of this day, if the purpose of their uniting in marriage is because they love each other, um, then uh, then they will find marriage to be deeply unsatisfying. They'll find life to be deeply unsatisfying. They have to find something other than themselves that compels them to be married together uh, to be on mission together, young men in particular are languishing for lack of a mission. Right? I like to tell the story of the, you know, the, the 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 kid sitting on his couch at his grandfather's house playing video games, you know, or, or at his house playing video games, and, and grandpa's there for a visit, and he asks grandpa, you know, um, um, you know, grandpa says, what, well, you know, you're going to play video games all day, and he says, no, I, in the afternoon I'm going to, you know, maybe I'll go with my friends to the beach. And he uh, says, you know, Grandpa, what did you do when you were 18 years old? Grandpa said, yeah, I was on a beach too. It was called Iwo Jima, right? Um, and and uh, Grandpa's generation wasn't necessarily a greater generation, uh, but in God's providence, there was a mission for that generation, wasn't it? And it made very young men become very old men and in uh, a, a, rapid course. And a young man... Just converted in our um, church. Exciting to watch. He just came back. I think three or four tours, uh, mostly in Afghanistan. He was tasked to the Navy SEALs. He's not a Navy SEAL, but he was a a tasked to uh, work in liaison and communications with uh, with them. And he's become a Christian. And 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 uh, I asked him. I said, "Do you miss your your uh, your role in the military?" He said, "Like crazy." He said, I just feel like I'll never have a mission again in my life like that. I'll never do anything again in my life that felt as important and as vital with that much camaraderie uh, that I experienced um, there. Young men desperate for a mission. There's a, uh, I I read just last night, there is an outfit called Mars One. And Mars One is a private enterprise that intends to colonize Mars uh, uh, and begin that by 2027, okay? That's not very long from uh, now. And um, uh, so their plan is, is that they'll put four people on Mars, four pioneers, uh, and then two years later, they'll deliver four more, and every two years, they'll add four people to the population of, uh, of Mars. Here's the deal. There are no return flights. So when you go to Mars... You go there to die. You will never um, return. Even if you manage to accomplish uh, the mission and thrive there, you're not ever um, going to return here. And, and so they had an online application for volunteers. How many people do you think volunteered? 200,000. 200,000. We do the same thing in the church. It's called World Missions, right? And there are online applications. Um, <laughs> And, and in fact, you know, um, uh, you, you, you can come back every four years uh, from there. Um, so what's our mission? The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. I love when Jesus in uh, Luke tells three parables um, to the Pharisees. You remember the Pharisees are ripping on Jesus because he's, um, associating with tax collectors, which we see in this parable, and he's associating with prostitutes. He's actually, the problem isn't like, it's not like a rescue mission where he goes in and does some stuff during the day and then gets out of that neighborhood. He, he actually seems to like these people. He actually seems to consider them his friends. He actually seems to, um, um, he eats with them he does life with uh with them and the pharisees of course this this nullifies any claim to jesus uh uh, being the messiah uh being from god being a legitimate rabbi he's delegitimized by the company he keeps right and um and uh so they're very critical so jesus tells three stories remember he says there's a there's a lost sheep remember there's a shepherd, a hundred, uh, has a hundred sheep, and one is lost. And remember, he tells the story that the shepherd drops everything and goes and finds the one, which is kind of bizarre. Uh, every company, I mean, 1% of loss of your, um, uh, you know, of, 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 of your, at Walmart, I'd probably be thrilled if they only had 1% loss, right, from theft and everything else. So, but not this shepherd. This shepherd drops the 99, and he goes for the one. At great, great expense and travail, he searches and he finds the sheep and he brings it home and they have a great party, right? Uh, and then Jesus said, and there's a woman who lost a coin. And, uh, and she, te- I mean, it was of great value to her. And she tears her house upside down uh, and she searches and searches and searches and searches and finally um, she finds that lost coin and she has all her friends come and they have a big party because that which was lost was precious um, to her. And then Jesus tells the third story, remember? And that's the one we're most familiar with. Lost sheep, lost coin. The third story was the lost what? The lost son. We call it the parable of the prodigal um, son. But it's not really about the prodigal son. The parable is about which son? It's about the older brother, isn't it? That's the whole point of the parable. Because when Jesus said the sheep was lost, there was a search. And then Jesus said there was a coin lost, there was a search. And then Jesus said, There's a son lost, and there's there's no search. There's no search. That's his point. Who is supposed to search in that third parable? The older brother. That's what older brothers do. Older brothers take care of their younger um, brothers. But this older brother despised his younger um, brother. And he didn't like, listen, there's people tromping through the woods in Thailand and Vietnam and and Laos right now, still looking for their brothers who died in the Vietnam War and their bodies have never been recovered. There's older brothers who have launched, spent copious amounts of their own money because they still have that sense. It's my job to bring my brother home. This isn't just an ancient idea, right? So here it was Jesus said, He had an older brother responsible for his family. But his older brother didn't go and search. That's the point. That's what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. What? That's you. That's what he's saying. That's you to the Pharisees. I'm eating with prostitutes and tax collectors because you're not. That was the whole point. I came to seek and to save the lost because I put you here to do that, but you won't do it. There's the mission. Listen, um, my dad was a, a land developer. He worked uh, for a company in South Florida. And, and one of the co-workers at his company's name was Patrick Sessions. Now, you probably don't know the name Patrick Sessions. But if you're old like I am, you might know the name of his daughter, Tiffany Sessions. One of the, uh, probably the largest um, manhunt manhunt in um, and Florida history launched for Tiffany Sessions. 26 years ago, she went missing. She was a student at the University of Florida. And to this day, um, neither Tiffany or her body have ever been found. Patrick Sessions was um, my father's coworker, worker Tiffany's um, father. And, and uh, my father would tell me of the anguish of this man and the money he spent and uh, the searches that were launched. That went on year after year, year, obviously long after it was obvious that she had been um, killed. Because this father wanted his daughter back. We are on mission with a father who wants his children back. Um, The son of man came to seek and to save the lost children of the father. This is the mission we get invited to participate in. So let's zone in then on that one day in the life of Jesus as we look at the mission. What was the target uh, for Jesus? That's point one uh, as we talk about Zacchaeus. And perhaps we'll talk about Lazarus as well. (laughs) Just why not? So who's the target? Who is Jesus' priority? What do we see from this parable? You know, we know that we will seek with the most effort that which is most valuable to us, Patrick Sessions wanted his daughter back. She was the most valuable thing in his world. What's the most valuable thing in Jesus' world? Here Jesus has one week left on earth. He is on his way to Jerusalem to die. You think he might have been a bit distracted, right? But perhaps with only one week left, Jesus has a laser focus on what he wants to accomplish, and so he makes a priority to seek a man who nobody else values. Nobody cares about Zacchaeus except to despise him. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Zacchaeus is a a thief. He is the chief. He is the kingpin of the Jericho tax cartel. He is the chief tax collector. He is not just a tax collector. He is over the whole system of tax collecting in that place. He is a collaborator with Rome. He is an extortionist. You know how it works. They collected money for Rome. Once they paid, you, bid, you would bid with Rome to get the job. And so um, then, uh, you know, um, once you paid off Rome, what Rome was owed to secure that position, everything else you got to keep. Uh, and so the, the more you collected, the more you got. And so uh, the people in the community hated Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is small and smarmy and despised. I mean, Danny DeVito would play Zacchaeus in the, in the movie. He has the, he has the social standing of a strip club owner. Um, nobody uh, would associate with him, uh, socialize with him, call him their friend. And as they saw Zacchaeus' possessions grow more and more elaborate, his, his servants more numerous, his, his clothes more refined, everyone in town knew that all of this prosperity was because of their money. This was their money. Uh, that he possessed. So they hate him. And, uh, and then Jesus comes to town. So what happens when the, with the crowd when Jesus says he's going to Zacchaeus' house? I mean, they are enraged because they are the worthy. Zacchaeus is the scum. Imagine how appalled they would be if they were sitting here 2,000 years later, uh, a citizen of Jericho, and we were talking about of all people in the whole town. We don't know the names of anybody else who lived there, do we? The only person in that town we know their name is the most hated person in town. And our kids sing about them. <laughs> right? The most hated, vile person in town. I mean, how did that happen? How does the most hated person in town still be, his name's still on our lips, the most the most hated person in Citrus County was a man named John Cooey. John Cooey um, was, a, was a sort of a homeless, uh, pathetic uh, man who left out of his trailer, went across the street, took a little girl out of her trailer, um, abused her horribly, and buried her alive. The worst crime committed in, uh, in, in our community and easily the most hated person. So, Jesus comes to Citrus County. Would that be a big deal? Jesus comes to Jesus. God comes to Citrus County. Would that be a big deal? That might be bigger than Pope Francis. <laughs> and of all people, imagine the Politicos would all be waiting there. Imagine our state representative and our county commissioners and the sheriff and everybody would be wanting to get some FaceTime with Jesus. And imagine Jesus stopped by the county jail and said, I'm going to be spending the afternoon with John Cooey. How would the people of Citrus County feel? We don't think we like Jesus anymore. That's what happened here. With Zacchaeus? You're going to associate with Zacchaeus so the Son of Man came looking for him. I mean, this is an amazing pattern if you think about it in the, in, the, in the Gospels. Jesus constantly loving the unwanted. Those who are excluded, those who are routinely excluded, we find that God wants. He's always in the company of the disreputable. It's a Samaritan woman married five times. It's a demon-possessed uh, man. It's a leper. It's a woman caught in adultery. Seven times Luke mentions tax collectors. Every mention is positive. Isn't that interesting? Um, think of the... the um, Jesus praises the uh, Samaritan over the Levite. He pra- uh, The prostitute over the Pharisees. Jesus says there's, there's more prostitutes in the kingdom of heaven than there are of you. He says to the Pharisees. He praises the younger brother who sleeps with whores over the older brother who stays home and dutifully works for his father. Now Jesus praises the Roman collaborator Zacchaeus, gives attention to him over the crowd. So it is important to say that if you're an outsider, the the, the gospel has good news for you. The Son of Man came to seek and to save you. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. The point of the gospel is not that even the dregs can be saved. The point of the gospel is that only the dregs can be saved. Only the dregs can be saved. So there's the target of the mission. Is it fair to say that, um, you know, one of the reasons our churches don't grow is that we don't seek the same people Jesus does? We don't seek the same people he does. I was really tired, and 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 really just exhausted, numb. Um, One of those. I don't know if I'm even a Christian, you know. And uh, uh, I'm sure there's a God, but we haven't really connected much lately. And so I go down to Mexico, uh, just to to take my son to a mission trip to Isaiah 55, a mission to deaf children on the border in Mexico. And uh, we're in Reynosa, Mexico. The first night we're there, and uh, and I meet this young woman. She's really young. She's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Her name's uh, Kelly. And Kelly tells me that she had um, taken a, a, a youth group down to Reynosa to do, you know, you know, Bible camp or something for little kids. And they, they, whatever their project was, they were done early, the last day, and so they had like a whole half day to still with all these youth group. So they decided to prayer walk through the city of Reynosa, and they came up to a walled compound. And so the Mexican folks that were with her, she said, what is this? Where, where are we? Because it was bizarre. And they said, this is Boys Town. You know what Boys Town is? Boys Town is a um, walled enclosure uh, it's a it's a sin-free crime-free zone run by the cartels so in boystown is prostitution and and crack bars and 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 your cornucopia of of drugs within a walled about three block enclosure in which um the government doesn't go in there uh so it is the it is a, it is hell inside those walls um it was established 100 years ago by the United States military in conjunction with um, uh, the Mexican government. There were boys towns all along the border so that when U.S. citizen, when, when the soldiers would come into Mexico to um, visit prostitutes, they would go to a place where, there was, uh, uh, where it was legal. And so there we have it, foreign, U.S. foreign policy. Um, and uh, Kelly said, she turned to her kids and she said, we need to pray right now that God would send someone into the prostitutes uh, inside those walls to tell them that Jesus loves them. And as the words came out of her mouth, she heard God saying, you can pray about it if you want, but I want you to do it. She went back to Tulsa, Oklahoma. I think she's 22 years old. She sold everything she had. She uh, what she kept, she put in her little beat-up car, and she drove all by herself to Reynosa, Mexico. No mission organization or anything else. And for one year, they wouldn't let her in. You have to be let in to Boystown. They wouldn't let her in. Um, for one year, she walked around the outside and prayed. And uh, they made a film about Kelly and Boystown and I'll, I'll never forget it, she stood outside the walls of Boydstown, and she was explaining this, there's this feisty little girl, and, uh, and then she stopped all of a sudden in the middle of, as she's being filmed, and she said, please don't show this to my mother. <laughs> I don't want her to know where I am, and where I work. She said, um, you know, she, I, I, I remember, forget. she said, she said, this is crazy. I'm crazy. I, for, a, for a year, I walked around and prayed. I couldn't even get inside. She said, I turn to God and, 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 and think, I'm, I'm crazy. She said, but sometimes, you just got to put it all on the table. Sometimes, you just got to take a risk. And, and at that, my soul was awakened. I mean, it was like this missions trip, Done. I'd been there about 12 hours. I could have got back on the plane and flown home. I was like just meeting this woman uh, on mission. Because my heart needs it. Because my heart, what I'm preaching here is not true of me. I, I recently met a, a doctor, a new doctor came to town, new orthopedic surgeon, cutest little wife, twin little boys. One of the boys, they named Tucker. I have a son named Tucker. I mean, the, these are the kind of people I want in my church. <laughs> Doctors with cute wives, with twins, did a, did like a double stroller. Uh, you know, I want, I, want, I want people who take me to lunch at the club after, <laughs> after church. Um, no kidding, I was preaching on something like this and, and, and I walked out of church one Saturday night and um, And, and it I was just one of those moments, one of those set-up jobs by God. Like, okay, okay, enough. I get it. Um, I walk out of church. There's a, there's a lesbian woman who comes to our church and she's kind of obese and she's very verbose and she's southern and she comes up to me and says, Right, 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 I just love you, and she wants to hug me, and I don't want her in our church um, and and then there's uh then there's another woman who's very annoying, and uh, she just uh, she just sort of drips neediness all the time, and she just kind of and, and she just seems uh. Doesn't matter what you tell her, she doesn't do it, she doesn't ever change, she doesn't ever uh, and and her children are play video games during church and and she just irritates the heck out of me and uh and 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 then there's this other woman who always takes her shoes off uh, in church and she dances during the songs and she's and 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 her kids are amazingly weird and um, and I'm not kidding. I walk out of churches one Sunday. just about everybody's gone by the time I'm kind of making my way through the narthex and 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 there's the lesbian woman, and there's another woman in our church standing there just listening to her, I mean, just giving her full on attention and affection and 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 then I look over, and there's the annoying woman, and there's somebody over there like holding her hands and praying with her. And then I walk outside, and there's one of those annoying kids on a bench outside, and I see the person in the church with their arm around them. And, and, and it's just that, that rebuke from God. It's to say, even though you're an arrogant um, um, and, and blind to who you are, and you're blind to your own neediness, it, I'm not going to let you screw up my party, God says, because I will have who I want at my party. My guest list is not like your guest list. So get used to it. This is my party, Pastor. It's not yours. Um, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's the target. Let's look at uh, what's the message of, uh, of the mission. Jesus came to save, to seek and to save. Jesus didn't come to give directions on how to be saved. He didn't come to give directions on how to live a moral life to make yourself acceptable to God. Jesus didn't come to... to um, every, every world religion has a guru who came to uh, set forth a path that you're to follow in order to um, be, become acceptable to the gods. That's not what Christianity is. As we say often in our church, Christianity isn't a religion. It's the end of religion. Jesus came... Um, to save. He came to seek the lost and save them. That's what's distinctive. We are little kids. We used to sing the song, we are climbing Jacob's ladder. Only when you read the story of Jacob, you realize there was no ladder. It was a stairway from heaven, and we're not climbing it. God comes down. We don't go up. The whole song was a fraud. Um, I was teaching this in, in, our, in our new members inquirers class and I remember there were two elderly ladies in the back and they were crying. When the class was over, they were crying. And, uh, and I'm like, oh great, what did I do? And, um, and I walked up and I said, what's going on? Are you, are you guys okay? And, and they looked up at, them, at me and they said, we have gone to church our whole life. Why didn't somebody ever tell us this? We have been trying to climb the mountain our whole life. Why didn't somebody tell us that Jesus climbed the mountain for us? He came to save us. He lived the life that we could not live. He died the death in our place as our substitute. This is the message. Zacchaeus, we read, is, is, um, is, is so short, he's in a tree. and When Jesus passes by, he says, Zacchaeus, hurry down. I must stay at your house. So we know in, in the ancient culture to eat with somebody was covenant. To eat with somebody was to declare them publicly your, your friend. Um, to, in a sense, to declare them your family. So Jesus is declaring in front of everyone that he has affection for, that he loves, and he's befriending Zacchaeus. What had Zacchaeus done to earn it? It's utterly unmerited favor. Jesus doesn't say, stop cheating and I'll come to your house. He loves Zacchaeus before Zacchaeus changes or repents. Here's a paradigm for living in a secular world. Love your neighbor. It's an old, old teaching of the Bible. Love your neighbor. Love your neighbor not if your neighbor changes, not if your neighbor's good, not if your neighbor's like you, um, not if they're good neighbors. Love your neighbor. Jesus loves Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus isn't changed at all um jesus doesn't say clean up your act and then i'll come to dinner jesus doesn't even wait to be invited by zacchaeus he invites himself jesus says i must stay with you and because of jesus initiative and jesus affection and jesus love then zacchaeus is transformed jesus um, isn't the wizard of oz saying bring the broom of the wicked witch and i'll grant you an audience Jesus doesn't help, you know, God does not help those who help themselves. He does not. He helps the helpless. He helps those who cannot help themselves, like you and me. Grace precedes repentance and is the cause of it. We don't turn from sin to get God's love. Regeneration precedes faith. It's the first theological dictum I was taught when I was young. Regeneration precedes faith. The love of God precedes our repentance. We don't repent and get God. We get God. Then we repent. So, what's the message? What's our welcome like? What's our welcome like? Listen, I have a friend who works with teen mops at our church. I see I have mops here. Uh, Good for you. Um, Teen mops. And my friend tells me, I struggle with it all the time. I want to tell these girls, these are teenage girls that have babies, teen mops. And she says, I want to tell them, come on, stop having sex, you know, be responsible. Um, instead of just loving um, these girls. Um, Scott uh, Sauls was telling us a story uh, at, at, uh, at a church he started in Kansas City, I believe, that um, they, had a, they had prayer meetings. And there's one woman uh, came to church without her husband, and her husband wasn't a Christian. So one night, she brings him because he's drunk, um, and she didn't want to leave him home with the kids. Um, So when they go to pray, this guy prays in the prayer meeting. He participates. Only, it was epic. (laughs) 29 minutes straight. People were recording it. People were... uh, 29 minutes and they said it was a prayer like you have never heard he prayed for the Klingons uh, <laughs> I mean he just sort of covered the galaxies and, uh, and uh, I mean it was bizarre it was uh, and he said nobody interrupted and it went on for 29 minutes and he said when the meeting was over People went up and talked to him. People brought him coffee. People, um, um, people inquired about him. Um, he said it wasn't that much long after they, that they got him in rehab, out of state, a residential rehab for his alcohol. People in the, he said people in the church flew there um, to spend time with him um, in rehab. And... Uh, People got with him, uh, you know, for coffee and all of this before he's converted. And, uh, and, and then Scott delivered the, the clincher line. He said, he was the best elder I ever had in that church. Um, the, this is the message. It's a message of, uh, of uh, welcome. The, the son of man came to seek and to save uh, that which was lost. And then, and then, so let's talk about the impact. Um, the impact on uh, Zacchaeus. Uh, how, does this, how does the grace of God impact the life, uh, the mission of Jesus? Zacchaeus, the thief and extorter, is transformed by the love of God. Z- I love verse 9. Look at what it says. I think it's there in your outline. Today, Jesus says, "Today, salvation has come to this house because he too is a son of Abraham. I mean, just imagine, Zacchaeus is in the family of God, and it changes him. And it provides for Zacchaeus something all his wealth could never provide for him. He has a father. He has a family. The deepest longing of the human heart is to be cherished, and when Zacchaeus is cherished by Jesus, there is an explosion of extravagant grace. Um, I have this line in this sermon because I think I preached this at Christmas one year and the next line says his small heart becomes big. That's from the Grinch, isn't it? <laughs> isn't the Grinch didn't say that in that movie? And his small little heart becomes big. You, you know what I want for my life? For my small heart to get bigger. I would love someday to say Ray Cortez, he's a loving man because I really was not because I act the part because I'm clergy, but because I really was loving. His small heart, Zacchaeus' small heart becomes big. Having received lavishness from Jesus, he becomes lavish. So what does the Bible say here? It says that though the tithe is 10%, Zacchaeus gives 50%. Half of all I own, I give. And though the Bible says that restitution should be 100%, when you steal from someone, plus a 20% penalty, you ought to pay back what you've stolen, plus 20% on top, that was the biblical law, Zacchaeus promises to pay back four times what he's stolen, which is essentially, Zacchaeus takes vows of poverty here. He is essentially giving away his money uh, to keep these vows. So it's always good to ask, how lavish is our response to the seeking love of God? How lavish are you Financially, how freely do you give away um, your life? Got this retired couple in our um, church. I didn't even know them really at the time very well. They moved up from South Florida. Um, Puerto Rican couple, Isaac and Ruth uh, Torres. And um, uh, they, they have a little trailer that they rented I don't even know that they, they really knew the renters. It, was, it wasn't in their, you know, it wasn't like next door to their house or anything. And uh, a man was raising his children in that um, trailer. His wife was a drug addict, so she was court removed from the family. She, however, lived down the end of the street with her father. And uh, she told her father one day that her ex-husband was um, abusing the children. He took a shotgun, went down the street, and killed the man. So now the children don't have a mother. Uh, then, then he killed himself. So now they don't have a mother, they don't have a father, they don't have a grandfather. And there's four children in a trailer. And, Z- and, and Isaac's only, co- and Rose's only connection is they own the trailer. They don't know the family. They don't know. So when the police come and are investigating all this and 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 say, you know they talk to them do you know anything we don't know anything Isaac says what's going to happen to the kids well they they'll they'll be put in foster care and he says could we have them they're retired this isn't their family there's four of them one of them was pretty profoundly special needs can we have them They're our responsibility. And they take in all four kids. Um, And eventually, Isaac and Rose's kids adopt the kids and and some other family members come in a year or two later. Um, Extraordinary. Extraordinary love. They love Jesus. Jesus loves them. And it shows up. We're sitting in a meeting on Sunday night, this last Sunday night, and I asked the group of people gathered in this circle, I said, tell us where you see God at work. So Isaac, he, he kind of speaks broken English, and he starts to uh, tell us as a group, he said, so I'm in this Bible study, and it's a great Bible study. He said, but none of my neighbors go to church, so I decided I'm going to start a little group at my house just for them. So all my neighbors come to this group at my house. And he said, and one of them says to me, hey, can I go to your church? Because I know some other people go to your church and they seem to be wonderful people. Can I go to your church? So Isaac says, sure, you can come to my church. And he, Isaac's telling us, he said, so I look back in the back of the room and uh, am waiting for my friend to show up at church so I can greet them. And when they walk in, they walk in with nine other people from the Bible study. They all came. It's just beautiful. Um... The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. This, this la- uh, Isaac uh, introduced me a couple weeks ago to another woman. You know, it's like, where'd you get her, Isaac? I met her at Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> now she's in the new members class at, uh, at the church. She wants Jesus. Listen, if you knew Isaac, you would want Jesus. You can't be around Isaac and not want Jesus. He's beautiful. He's a beautiful man. He's been changed by the love of God. Um, you know, um, it's it it, it the, Jesus Jesus changes your life so that your response when you experience the lavishness of His love are, are, it changes us. Um, we had this woman; she was our children's ministry director. She was a feisty, fiery um, woman. She'd never worked with children before. It didn't matter. She could run any company, any business. And uh, so uh, she just uh, brought a, a dynamic to children's ministry. Then, then she, her husband's an attorney. He's a school board attorney. And she tells me they're moving to Fort Lauderdale. So, of course, I'm ticked because we're, we're losing her. And, um, and, uh, but, I, but at the same time, I hear that he's going to be the Broward County School Board Attorney Um, you know I I remember texting her and saying do you have any idea what you guys are doing I mean the entire Broward County School Board is under federal indictment for graft and corruption the previous Broward County School Board every one of them are in prison for the same thing and uh, it's the largest school district in America Um, it's like LA and Chicago I think there's six hundred fifty thousand students, or something crazy like that. There's there's fifty school board attorneys in Broward County alone, um, and I remember texting her saying, "You're crazy." I mean, it is a it is a it is a hellhole down there. You, he's going to have to work with this board. They're all going to prison. And um, and, and the text I get back says, "Who are, who is this?" Somebody has stolen my um, pastor's cell phone because the, the pastor that I admire uh, tells us that, um, that uh, the mission of God's people is to find the places and culture that are most broken and most dark. And that's where we move. We don't live in this world for ease and comfort. We live in this world to find um, broken people and broken places And we go there to bring the balm of the gospel. That's what we're attempting to do with our life. So please give this phone back to my pastor. (laughs) So on this bright um, Saturday morning, um, we wake up and remember that we have a father who will not rest until his lost children are home. And that we are the objects of his mercy. We are the lost. We're the object of his mission. He found us to make our small hearts big. That's who he is. Jesus came to seek and to save us and then turn us loose doing the same. Amen.